All right, everybody, just one more quick little read through before we get you to the episode. Um, so this podcast and all the other episodes are brought to you by Snake River Brewing. Uh, they are my favorite brewery here in town. Um, great place to hang out at their brew pub. They have a good little patio area, great food all the time. Um, sadly, the brew pub is closed right now due to the coronavirus virus situation, but they're still doing to-go orders, and you can still get their six-packs and growlers at the brew pub or uh, anywhere else that you would buy beer or liquor. Um, so go check them out. They've been a, an amazing partner in this process and my favorite beer here in town because we have a lot of great breweries and they're definitely the best. So yeah, go check them out. everybody welcome back to stories from mountain town um today with me i have my cousin carol kaltoff carol welcome to the show hi happy to be here yeah and we are again on zoom um carol uh lives in lives in minnesota right what where is your current spot at your current house at now yeah i'm living in minneapolis so i'm like just a couple blocks off of the river like stone arch bridge area yeah and what do you like about living in that area? Because you've always, you've kind of stuck in the same area since college. Similar area Oh, yeah, since completely. Yeah, so the U is, like, really close. The University of Minnesota, Twin Cities, is, like, just down the road from me. And I went to school there and enjoyed living in the city and really liked Minneapolis and St. Paul. I mean, I've grown up in the area, but it's different when you're living in the city. And... I got a job with a really cool, small, like engineering consulting firm during school and pretty much worked there and interned like almost full time through the, towards the end of my school career. And then we uh, moved downtown and uh, started like opened up another office there. So yeah, I've just stuck close to work because it's nice to walk to and from. (laughs) Yeah. So that's always something you've liked that I've, that you've told me you've liked doing is be able to walk to and from work and just being right there. And, um, Mm -hmm. and the other thing I always see on your social media is like, you're always at these little like coffee shops that like, don't even look like there's anything there. Mm -hmm. It's just like a room in a, in an old building. And it's like this coffee shop that you're hanging out at or like a little place with beer. Totally. There's all these like warehouses, uh, that they've kind of repurposed and like, like that's kind of the vibe around here is like all this repurposed, industrial Mm. areas that they turn into like fun coffee shops or housing and stuff like that so yeah it's just a different lifestyle and when there's no commute really you like either hop on a bus for five ten minutes or or walk around and yeah it's kind of unique yeah yeah we used to love going to all those places in like northeast all the breweries there that would allow dogs because they're all like that's the big thing with us trying to do any activity it's like can we bring the dogs and that yeah they can that makes it a lot easier Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so as we always do in the pod, I am drinking a Paco's IPA nice. and I put it in a mug with, that is the, uh, Stark emblem from Game of Thrones. And in the back <laughs> it says, 
Leave one wolf alive and the sheep are never safe. Taylor knows I love wolves, so she got me this a while back. Nice. Taylor, what do you have? I'm drinking a Jameson whiskey sour mm. with the egg white. That's like a forgotten piece of it. When like in college, we'd be like, yeah, let's do like sour. And it's like you just get the sour mix thing and then whiskey. Yeah. So you put like You put like Gotta an egg in it. Classic. There. Yeah. <laughs> there's a fun, you have a fun little glass there too. Yeah, I, I'm a strong advocate for proper drinkware. <laughs> yeah, totally. Excuse to own more uh, <laughs> cute vessels. <laughs> yeah, we have so many of those. So um, when we moved to Saddle Butte, like, you know, it was like totally furnished and had everything. So we had a, we yeah. put a lot of like our fun glassware and drinkware just was in our, was in our shed. And now we got finally got to pull it all, all out. And like, this was one of them. Like I hadn't used this in over a year because it had been, been in a box. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Those. And you can never, I was saying this to Taylor, this, for me, this, like, beer mugs, whiskey mu- whiskey glasses, and, like, coffee mugs, it's the only thing that I'm not, like, give me, like, the most modern or the best of it, or I'll, yeah. but I'll just, I'll just like them because they're, like, kind of cute or whatever. Yep. Yep, and like you can collect mug, lots of them. <laughs> yeah, like the mug you gave me, it's just, like, it looks like it's handmade, and it's got a wolf on it. Mm-hmm. And I drink out of that more than I do my Yeti coffee mug. And the Yeti is obviously more, more technologically <laughs> more efficient, advanced. better for what yeah. you need. <laughs> yeah, it'll hold more coffee. And but hold it doesn't feel as good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know what it is because everything else, I'm like, you give me like the better version, the more technology version, the nicer mm-hmm. version. But with like mugs and cups, I'm just like, oh, I like the picture. It's great. It. <laughs> yeah. The mini win of the day. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so Carol, you have been out to Jackson now. Yes. Um, what, what month was that? That was like in the fall, right? Like Shoulder October? season. Yeah. yeah. Shoulder season. We might have, so we're kind of in that now and it's even, it, it's, it would normally be p- pretty quiet here right now, but it's a little bit extra quiet because of the pandemic stuff. Um, so we might have a little bit longer shoulder season this year. I don't know how many people will come <laughs> yeah, in the summer. So yeah, that was in, yeah, that was like October. So what, what did we do? We did some hikes. We did some breweries. Did we go to the resort? No, you never took me to the resort. I was saving that for later. Oh, I think that was, it was closed. That's why. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not, there's like nothing to do there uh, when it's closed. But yeah. So what was your, what was your, uh, you had been here when you were like really little too, you said, right? Yeah, so, classic family vacation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're one of the three million visitors in yeah. one random summer you just drove through. Um, yeah. So what was your what was your impression when you flew into Jackson for the first time now as an adult? Um, yeah, it was pretty great. So I love it when you're flying and the pilots get all giddy about it. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, you really got to look out the window. <laughs> Yeah. And then you're like, okay, okay. And then you look and there's just mountains everywhere. And I mean, it had been mountains everywhere the whole time because you're like flying from Denver or Salt Lake or wherever. Yeah. But like when you're landing and you're kind of just like gliding through them, I mean, that's when it gets really special and cool. And then just like touching down, that's like the most beautiful airport in the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, just because it feels like a cabin or a lodge, uh, it doesn't feel official or like kind of... um utilitarian like so many other airports um so i like that that was kind of fun and then 
I mean, you're right below the grand. I mean, the obvious first impressions, but then you picked me up and we just immediately drove around and like drove around looking for animals and oh, yeah. checked out the moose and everything else. So it was just kind of like, it, you quickly got off that like plain vibe and back into nature, which is awesome. And then you took me up to the Butte and that was sweet. I think another one of my favorite memories was driving down from the Butte where you can cut, you like uh, switch back back and forth and uh-huh. you're overlooking the town. And I think we did it like sunset one night or something. It was beautiful. Yeah. So. Yeah. That really speaks to um, kind of the accessibility of all the cool stuff here. Yes. Like, cause like you said, we like picked you, we, I picked you up and we were like, we drove like two miles and saw a moose and yep. there are moose that walk up right to the fences of the air of the airport. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about it like that before, like in regards, in relation to the airport. That's, that was an interesting point. But yeah, that's awesome. Um, and so I'm trying to think of what else, we, what else we did. It's so hard. We went out to Slide Lake. Oh yeah. Did we do a hike? Did we do a hike past up that? Up Red Butte. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember that now. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I got winded. <laughs> yeah. well just because you and tay were all like mountain acclimated and i wasn't so i was like woo, <laughs> struggling to keep up <laughs> yeah that's a tough hike that's a pretty steep one i've done that a few times that's an area i love that area because it's just uh it shows the diversity in the mountains here you can see like the granite of the tetons and the way they're formed and how they and the shape of them and then there's it's totally uh a totally different style of rock there it's like this red rock like you'd think you just like transported down to southern utah or something and i just love that it's you could see both at the same time and they're so accessible at the same time that it's just this one area that has all these different types of of mountains yeah and then you have like the meadows and the woodland and then kind of like the agriculture as well so yeah i mean it's just there's a lot there it's like it's like one of those i've compared it to um Remember those like diagrams in your old in social studies textbooks that shows like the geographical uh, form uh, formations yeah. to get the yeah. words right. It's like there's a mountain and then there's a river comes down. There's a lake and then there's an ocean and there's a bay and there's a peninsula. Yeah. It's like that, but it's, it's like, it's like in real life. <laughs> yeah, because it's like mount high alpine mountain peak, uh, red yeah. rock, dry like desert, uh, meadow, farmland, yeah. forest, tundra, all the stuff yeah um yeah and um this wasn't so you've been to you've been to sticking on the mountain theme you've been out to switzerland a couple a few times and Mm -hmm. seen those mountains what are those like pretty incredible i mean mountains always give you a certain sense of like awe and seeing them in different places definitely like beauty is beautiful all across the world um Mm -hmm. But it, it's fun to see the different styles of, like, what it looks like. Like, out where you are, it's very, like, Western-themed and, like, kind of rugged and, like, truly a frontier, in a sense. And yeah. then in Switzerland, like, I mean, people have been inhabiting that area for, like, far, far, far longer in, in greater density. So the, the impact of humans in the area is, like, more historical. And you have all the, like, mountain huts and, like, they've been raising cattle on these slopes for like thousands of years so it's just like a totally different environment different architecture and then also the mountains are a different architecture too just like the alps are so um 
steep and creates a pretty crazy valleys and it's like very different from what you see in the Rockies. So yeah, it's pretty cool just because there's so many like grassy areas and they're not like all like, I mean, they're tall, but they're also like not crazy tall either where it's like you can like hike up them and like they're pretty intense, but it's also like very green and lush and pretty close up to way to the top, at least on the outskirts one. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think too, the Alps have more glaciers that were people explored and that's what this book. So audience, we are just talking about the book that I'm reading that I've talked about on the pod before. Um, it's mostly about Europeans climbing stuff. Cause I think this guy is like British or something, but it talks a lot about, um, the early, early mountaineers in the Alps. And it is insane that they, what the equipment they used to climb with and like how long ago they were climbing these major peaks, like yeah. Mont, Mont, Mont Blanc or Mont Blanc, whatever, like the main one. And uh, mm-hmm. one of the major peaks in France was summited in like the 1700s. Like wow. if you think of like yeah. America, 1700s, we were fighting revolutionary <laughs> war and like, muskets yeah. and no you know, triangle that. hats and guys <laughs> in europe were climbing these crazy mountains with like who knows what equipment yeah. and i can't and i am not doing any of that sort of climbing with the modern the modern equipment and and i am scared of that and they're just like up there with like no gloves no like equipment they're just like yeah we're just gonna go do it <laughs> a lot of them died for sure but like some of them didn't some of them named all these Made peaks yeah. back in them yeah and like the first people to like, it talks, I'm getting right now, now into like the first people to climb Everest. Mm. They first, they first started looking at it as a peak to climb in like the late 1800s. And wow. nobody did it until like the 40s, I think. Let's get a check on that. I'm on my computer. We need, I talk too much about Joe Rogan's podcast, but I need a guy to just search stuff, Google search stuff for me. First climb of Mount Everest. May 29th, 1953. So. Wow. Just like picture what 50s clothing was like. And like, what do you imagine? Like, Yeah, camping gear. That kind of weather. (laughs) People still die doing it today with like the full North Face suits, big boots and good goggles to technology to guide them. The more knowledge of the routes and where the stuff is dangerous and what is happening when you feel sick. And these guys did it in the fifties. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd ever want to do, I like climbing big mountains and stuff and being around big mountains, but I don't think I ever need to do like get obsessed with like, you know, checking off these lists of these big peaks at all. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd be into it too. I like appreciating the smaller moments, <laughs> the yeah. smaller peaks in life. Yeah. But I did get a taste when I did. Did you see my video where I climbed something called pyramid or the pyramid? I don't know Here. if I've seen that one. Yeah. Was that, when was that? Um, I don't know, like January, but okay. it's just like a, it's like a 4,000 foot climb that you can start at in the valley. That's like one of the trailheads that I go to all the time. And you can just climb up this, like a 
it's kind of one of the major, not one of the major peaks, but it's a very visible peak here. Mm-hmm. And so that's what makes it really cool because it, basically from anywhere, from like my other window like, and outside oh, the house, I could see it. Yeah. And I got the taste of like why people like to do these big climbs because I took like a whole day and went up it and it was like, wow, look how far away my car is. And now that it's done, it's just like, it kind of just happened in a snap. I have a couple of memories of the way up, you know, but it was like really just that feeling of the top and that um, will definitely keep me coming back to like doing big lines like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I remember getting to some peaks and just being like, all right, cool. Let's, we, I don't know. I guess we can hang out here for a while. <laughs> it's like that yeah. moment of like, you just want to like chill out and enjoy it. But it's also like, I don't know, I like the journey up and, and down too. Yeah. There's some cool moments in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was feeling like kind of like last summer, I was feeling that I was getting too into the mode of like, um, you know, do the, get out to the mission, do the mission and then come back and then go home. And I yeah. pushed myself to just like hang out out there. Yeah. You know, if it was a snowboard climb, I would get up to the top and let's just, just chill for a little bit just to yeah. enjoy this peak that we just worked so hard to get to. Or a mountain bike climb, I'd just sit down and just, you know, let the dogs chill out for a second just so I would actually spend more time in these places yeah. that I took a while no, to get to. That's a good idea. Cool. Um, so what have you been doing in quarantine? What's it been like living in, like, a, <laughs> the biggest city in the state, stacked on top of each other? but not wanting to be close to anybody. Yeah, it's um, it's a little different. I mean, everyone's pretty much hanging out in their apartments. It's a little hard because you don't have a lot of square footage to move around in. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can drive out to places and go on hikes still and just, like, be mindful of reducing, in, like, your interactions with the rest of the public. But, yeah, work's carried on like normal, just working from home. And then... Um, listening to more audiobooks for sure i i mentioned um white fang before we got started recording uh so white fang is a jack london book and yeah it's a total classic and it's all from the perspective of a wolf dog (laughs) oh sick yeah and it's it's really been fun like the intro the introduction part is like from the perspective of like humans and i was kind of like oh this isn't really that interesting and then it switched to being inside the like inside the mind of the little wolf dog, mm. and then it totally changed for me because it's like it like it gets into their head of like oh I don't really know why I did this but I was drawn to do this so you like kind of get to see what their instincts are like and like how they perceive humans and I mean of mm. course it's written from a human so it's not something like you'd know for sure of like how animals would interact or have thoughts or feelings about humans in the world they interact with but I think it just gets you into the mindset of like okay like if you were a little pup that was born in a cave what would your first interactions with the world be like and then how your how you would grow to like gain wisdom and kind of the wood smarts that that those kind of wolf dogs have so yeah, it's been a it's been a fun listen. Yeah, that's awesome. That's one that uh, whenever anybody meets Bridger, they say like, "Oh, he's like White Fang. You got to read White Fang." And I haven't read it yet, so I need to get on. That. You should. I I think you'd really like it. <laughs> if you you'd like totally that. list like throw it on in like the car and just listen to it to and from different hikes and stuff. Yeah, if you like that that 
style of the pers from the perspective of the wolf. Here, I've got another one for you that I can actually send to you. It's called Ooh. American Wolf. Fun. It's all about um, a, a real wolf in Yellowstone. Um, and she was like kind of a famous wolf because she was the alpha of her pack and was the main hunter and like this badass hunter. Mm -hmm. And it talks about like her journey, like kind of her lifetime. And then like each chapter is a different perspective. It's like some of our, some of our, are her and then we're kind of like third person on her, like, yeah. you know, like a narrator watching her basically. Yeah. And then some of them are a diff couple different humans. Um, one of them is like someone who lives in a town nearby where she, where she lives and is affected by wolves being around and is kind of like anti-wolf wants people to hunt, more, hunt wolves more. And then another perspective is a, one of the national park rangers in Yellowstone that like is obsessed with wolf watching and goes to where this place called the Lamar Valley every day just to watch wolves. And then they all come together at the end and um, you can look her up, but I'm not going to tell the ending, even though you can look it up because it was like a, yeah. what actually happens at the end is like real. Um, yeah, but she's wolf. Uh, she has. She's like fi a famous wolf, which is kind of a weird thing. But the. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Oh six, yeah. They call her O six because she's like, wolf six or something like that. And then all the wolves have just numbers in here. They're not named mm -hmm. because that's how the, the rangers do it. They're all numbered by whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'll check that's it out. Awesome. Do you like audiobooks more or real regular books more? I prefer reading regular books more, but I mean, audiobooks have the place in like, oh, you're going on a long car ride or it, or you're like cooking and just want to listen to it. So, yeah, I, I think I'd prefer just reading it, but I kind of am starting to get more into the audiobook space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know why I'm not big on, I'm huge on podcasts, but I'm not big on audiobooks. I'd prefer to read, yeah. a, read a book. Cause I think I can think about it more cause I can just, you know, stop reading at any moment. Yeah. And just pause. Like when none's on the mind, like I stop like all the time to be like, Whoa, what did that just say? Uh -huh. And like reread it or like say it out loud and be like, Whoa, <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> yeah. But you, and that maybe I just don't do it. It's kind of, it turns into like background, background noise on an audio book. And I don't, yeah. maybe it's like, I don't want it to do that. Yep. Cool. Um, let's see here. We, before we started this audience, we were talking, we were texting about things we wanted to talk about. What do you want to, what do you want to go on to Carol? Uh, oh, let's see. So you, oh, so you just accepted a job in yes. San Diego. So you're going to be moving to San Diego. And Carol asked, I don't know if you told me this or not yet. When do you move to, to San Diego? Uh, probably in three weeks. Do you have a, so, do you have a apartment or something set up yet? Yeah, we're working, me and Jackson are working through a lease right now. Um, and hopefully that'll get all tied up tomorrow. Is he so, coming with you? Yeah. So he has an, so he's been out there this whole year, but he's back in Minnesota for the coronavirus stuff. And mm -hmm. we're just figuring out, so his lease is up in june so it kind of is nice timing for us to head out there again mm -hmm. um and then i start june 1st so yeah that'll be a whole new adventure 
Yeah. Have you been to San Diego before? Yeah, I've been three times just to, out to visit him and see the see the town and everything else. So, yeah, it's it's really nice. It'll be a whole new world from what I'm used to, because um, yeah. it's going to be summer all the time. Um, Isn't it yeah, like cooler though there too? Yeah, it's not because you're close to the ocean. It's not like crazy hot. So, yeah, it's more laid back. I've always wondered this. Why is it that? Um, everyone says like San Diego is like cool. Like it's not as not super hot, but then like LA is farther North and also on the ocean. And that's like always known to be really warm all the time. So I think it's cause LA is just bigger. And so more of the landmass LA goes inland. Uh-huh. And San Diego more like runs more like North South. And so uh-huh. most of the people are closer to the ocean. I think that's why. There might be other reasons, but that would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything about it either. Um, have you have you ever surfed? Isn't there, like, pretty good surfing there? Yeah, there's there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot, plenty of beaches. Um, <laughs> yeah, I might have to try that when I get out there, but I haven't surfed before. Have you? <laughs> I've never surfed pointers? on the ocean. No, I've, I've only, I've, I mean, I've surfed a lot of powder in my day, but I've never surfed the ocean. And I've surfed, yeah. I've wake surfed, too, <laughs> in Minnesota, but. Yeah, yeah. That's something I could totally get into. Like, if I lived near the ocean, I would totally just be a surfer, bro. I know you would, yeah. <laughs> well, I kind of, I can, I kind of am the the Jackson version of a surfer, bro. Because it's just like that feeling of uh, some people describe it as like glide, I guess. Mm. It, I think it's uh, a flow state. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's another way to describe it. Yeah, you're kind of like you have to be somewhat focused to like do the task, but it's also like it switches your mind into a different mode. That's kind of like freeing. That's a good way to describe it for someone who's yeah, not I read really a book a called flow. It's also good. <laughs> <laughs> who's that? Who's that by? Look it up. Well, Hey, don't call me not a skier. I, I downhill <laughs> ski and water ski. So you can't pull no non flow. <laughs> is it, is it blue with yellow lettering? Yes. The psychology of optimal. So that that is like, so that talks about flow not only in the physical sense of like doing an activity, but in the sense of like a life challenge where you kind of have to have something that is challenging to you that it stretches you and causes you to grow and like keeps you like interested and engaged, but also Mm -hmm. isn't so challenging that you like fear it or like back away from it where it like mm. causes anxiety or stress or something so you kind of have to have like so like I found that with work too like when I first started you know sometimes it can be a little overwhelming as you get get comfortable and things and it feels like your like flow challenge is just like a little too high or depending on what you're doing but mm-hmm. or you know like especially as you like start mentoring interns and stuff like that you have to kind of find their sweet spot for like what they're comfortable comfortable like taking on versus and like accomplish but also still like you know push them a little bit so yeah it's a good thing to keep in mind yeah <laughs> for yourself and into, others around you yeah does it get does it get into like <clears throat> the flow state at all where it's like yes. um you know it's been described as like an athlete when they're totally in the zone yes. like sinking yep. baskets and you can get that way like, like yeah. both playing basketball or like working 
just like through on your job, but it's like a challenging thing that you're super engaged in. You're like, whoa, it's 5 p.m. already or whatever. Um, yeah. So like or you I've can been reach in the flow. that flow in different yeah. different ways. But yeah, they totally talk about like what that physically means for your body and mind. Oh, yeah. And, like I've been in it when I'm like, you know, talking to a client, like I kind of just zone out. Yes. And I just like do everything yeah. right. And then it's I, like... I definitely get into flow state for during meetings where I'm like, yes. <laughs> This is it. Yeah. Like you're like vibing <laughs> I've reached on that equal you're like real. vibing on their own shit, your own stuff that you're saying. Like, oh, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. I like the way I said that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like a third party in my own brain. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you go, Tyler. I've been there and I'm, I'm like, what is going on? Oh, that's yeah. cool. I'll definitely look at this. Because the flow state is something, it's like a kind of a recent, uh, focus a little bit of like athletes and different mm-hmm. people trying to be high, higher highly successful that it's like okay you know you've accidentally gone into the flow state in whatever way whether it's a sp- sport or work or whatever yeah how do you get into there more often when you want yep. to you know yep. and how do you build up that almost that like that reflex or like just putting yeah. your te- yourself preparation. in a good yeah prep prep your body for like to be in a good headspace to where yep then you go do the activity that gets you there and then it's just right in. Yeah, totally. That's cool. And there's definitely that, like when I'm, when I'm going down like something on a snowboard and I'm just kind of, and it's just full of power and I'm just flowing. Like we keep using the word flow in w- multiple different senses mm-hmm. and I'm just flowing down here and I'm just like looking around my senses are everything. I can, I can see everything at one time. Yes. Feel yeah. the board under my feet, feel the snow yeah. turning under me. And it's just like, well, there's a jump. I'm just going to hit this jump. And then it's just like, yeah. ooh. And then, and then, <laughs> yeah, like it's like you're like more aware, but yeah. not over- it's like, overwhelmed like, like, by like it. Like in your car, does your car have like the 360 sensor? It's like, I have that. It's like, it's like you get into that. And you just like, <laughs> yeah. I just know what everything is going on around me. Yeah. And, and I, and Taylor's a really good skier, but like she sees him go into that mode and like do the things and my buddies go and do those things. She's like, how do you do that? Like you're just like turning and then you just like hit a jump and out of nowhere, then you guys are in the air. I'm like, I don't know. You just, you just do it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Taylor's probably like building up the comfort first, right? For her. It's like, yeah. that would be too big of a flow challenge where it's like not right. You have to kind mm. of, you have to work your way to that and like adjust your, adjust that scale of, of challenge. Yeah, certainly there was a time where it was like, you know, turning in powder was hard and then like turning in powder to get around things or go to things was hard. And then it was like, I got that, but doing a jump now in powder is different. So I don't know about that. And now it's just like, uh, it's just like second nature. It's just like, you know, an instinct. Mm -hmm. But yeah. That's awesome. We're just turning into this into the book club, basically, which I have, <laughs> I have Pretty thought much. about because I'm like, I've read a bunch of really cool books and I'm reading cool. I try to do a book a month and yeah. I'm like, what if we just said one, one of the podcasts per month was just a book club focused one with like whatever <laughs> guest that happens to be like, or like schedule one that does a bunch of reading that can bring some books to read. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You no, know? it sounds good to me. I would think I would kind of feel like I was just super old. If I did, because <laughs> my, my like 65 year old manager just was talking about her book club too. And I'm like, oh, geez. Well, you got one too now. Yeah. <laughs> you ever feel that way? Like all of a sudden we're just like old now. 
You didn't try uh, to do I've it. always felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> You've been this no, literally. Since you were there like was a 10. time where I was sitting, I was at like a conference, and it just happened to be in South America uh, for like an engineering thing. And it was only like the old men who could like, who would like the, these old dude professors that were from like all over South and Central America. And then me, because, well, naturally, because I couldn't hang out with the young kids. And I also would be more comfortable with the old dudes. And <laughs> so we all sat around and just like drank whiskey into the night. And I was just like the only girl there. And I was like 19 years old, just hanging out with all these like 67 year old like professors from all over that's awesome. and I was like somehow I'm at home in this yeah well, that's so you though you've been like a you've been like a whiskey fan since you were like I mean I'll just say 17 but, <laughs> but like, you were drinking, right? like way more mature drinks than like uh, when I was like 18 and 19 and 21 in college I was doing like you know light beers whatever just guzzling it and you were like <laughs> oh this is a really nice Spanish wine that I got when I was in Spain for that time i was like I wow i don't know i don't know i think i don't know i don't know i didn't want to do the crap the crap booze route i wasn't yeah. into that scene <laughs> yeah but yeah but now i'm doing that like now i'm like taylor and i we've yeah. been taylor um has the thing where if she drinks like uh california reds she'll get headaches right away so we've been going just doing european reds yeah and that led so us into different. like and you don't have yeah. that problem. Yeah. And I, and I doubt I, she would have it with like uh, Argentina, Mendoza, Malbec. I doubt she would have that issue as well. Yeah. We do, we do those also. So we're, we're been drinking a lot of Mal- Malbecs, Tempranillos, Chiantis, nice. uh, occasionally cabs, but they're a little bit yep. heavy for her. Um, but like those kind of lighter reds, drier reds yeah. from Spain, Italy, France, and South America. We've been yeah. hitting those lately. Solid. And I'm like using words to describe them. Like I somehow accidentally uh, know a lot about wine out of nowhere. Like I'm using these words to describe them. Like I know how they're made. I know where they're made and why they're called these things. And I'm like, yep. where is this coming from my brain? <laughs> I didn't read any wine book. I just like drink wine. Well, I mean, I don't know. They put some info on the label and I, I don't know. I went, I did do some research usually when I like, drink a pretty like something from a certain region i want to know why it's that way and how it got there and so yeah i don't go that far but i have i mean i have been to like two or three different winery no well, maybe like five wineries but when we go to you know when we go to when oh, we go okay, to santa rosa okay. you like well, what'd you what'd you say nope is it good now I you were skipping on me you. Can you hear me? I know. Yeah. It, it was a bad section. <laughs> okay. We're good. Yeah. Look at, is there a cat behind you? There's a cat on the podcast. Look at this. Oh, man. This is the Insane. first cat on the podcast. <laughs> what is that a boy or a girl? They're both boys. Here's he the other grumpy. one. Yeah, that one is the grumpy one. That's The other one's the kiss up. He's just hanging with mom. Yeah, totally. Some mom's boy for sure. <laughs> yeah. Cats are sometimes cool, but I could never see myself getting one. <laughs> I don't know. I think we've just, oh, I mean, my whole life we've had a cat in our family. One or two yeah. or three. So Your outside cats were always so cool. Yeah, I agree. It, they're, they're way cooler when they're outdoor, indoor versus just indoor. 
yeah. they got like did you ever this, i don't know they got some swagger then <laughs> yeah did you ever have any of them like get uh, killed by a coyote or anything or like did you ever worry about uh, that yeah we've definitely had cats go missing <laughs> i don't know where they go sometimes but <laughs> coyote den <laughs> yeah something like that but no smart so smart is the cat i got when i was 13 so he's at home with mom and dad and like i saw him earlier today and he like <laughs> he's just like so like he's like a dog basically <laughs> like he'll yeah. just wander around the yard and then just like he still like likes being around people a lot so he like will hang out like so last weekend we were having a bonfire at my parents house and we had like brats and we were roasting brats over the bonfire and then the cat was like oh everyone's gonna eat now so we see him like wander off in the woods and then like dive into a pile of grass and like straw <laughs> and comes out with a mouse and then brings it over to the bonfire and starts eating it with us and i was like oh my god He's like, hey, Carol, can you roast this thing for me? I, I, don't, I can't hold a stick. Yeah, it was so cute. It's just like he wants to be a part of everything. So he's just That's like, so all funny. right, we're doing that. I can, I can bring my own. I'll be right back. I'll go to my cupboard. <laughs> and literally the woods is his cupboard right now because it's spring. So there's plenty of little little babies to eat. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, talk, uh, talk about um, – so Carol, Carol and I grew up like, like a half a mile apart in the same neighborhood – um and the neighborhood always had a lot of like natural areas like the park was in the woods and like yeah and um my mom's backyard had like woods kind of behind it and then we had the you know the swampy areas in between like our cul-de-sac and the lake yep. but then carol talk about your um like where you grew up because you're you can just go ahead i'm not gonna steal it from yeah you. no so like i grew up in the end of a dead end street so we didn't have a lot of car traffic and then yeah. it was also like really long lots so we had like a lake in the backyard but it was like through lots of woods so right now in the springtime because there's no leaves on the trees you can actually see the lake more and it feels like mm -hmm. wow we kind of have a lake home but like yeah. the rest of the year <laughs> you can't really see it um but it, it's like an acre and a half of like what 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 goes from woodland to like wetland out to just the like kind of a pond lake it's pretty muddy um yeah it's but it, it's, a it's like a big nature lake. preserve so yeah yeah it's an easily sized lake but it's just like really shallow and muddy for anybody who's listening that knows lino lakes minnesota it's one of the lakes there and all those lakes are the same you know like a lot of reeds mud yeah it's not really like a boating lake no definitely not but it, it was it was nice just to, like have a lot of nature around and then we my sisters and i were homeschooled and so we like had our like lessons for the day that we did like at home on our own and then usually we were done faster because there's just like when you're focused on your own little thing you can get through more material because you don't have like a whole classroom to kind of corral so like we were usually done by like noon and so we spent the whole afternoon just like hanging out with each other, like playing. And we often played out in the woods. And so, yeah, it was, yeah. It was great. Yeah. I always, I just have memories of just like playing around, like all that just natural area behind your yard, not as much in your yard, yeah. just like in the woods, just doing oh, random yeah, totally. shit. We, and we, our rule was we never brought anything into the woods. We only used what was in the woods to like build stuff and do stuff. Cause we didn't want to yeah. like alter the environment. So it was like, if we were going to build a fort, like we had to build a fort with just what was out there. <laughs> yeah. And that's so cool that you can just like, 
I mean, there's probably like those times, the fact that we had that access to, to just somewhere. Nature, yeah. Um, but not just nature, but like a place where we as kids could just go and do kid stuff do and stuff. not have like constant like helicoptering. Yeah, yeah. You know? and no rules. Like we had to kind of build our own rules and decide what was right and wrong. <laughs> yeah, and we never, I, I can't, I don't really think of any, I can't think of any like any big fights that ever happened. Like the only, no. the only negative or like bad thing that I can remember ever happening was like your neighbor had this like thing to pick up logs. Remember that like crane thing? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I was fucking with, with it, but splitter? I was fucking with it. Yeah. And it like lifted up, it like lifted me off the ground. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was little, so I didn't weigh that much. That's like the only bad thing I could think of ever happening. Like nobody got injured. Yeah, I mean, people got like kind of cuts and bruises and things like yeah, that. Yeah, but like scuffs, like that stuff, yeah, that stuff happens, yeah. like playing. And, yeah. But I think that probably was really good for all of us to just be able to have that space to just yeah. like, you know, let our, basically just let our brains format yeah. real ideas. Yep, be creative. Yeah. Be resourceful. <laughs> We were always, you know, whether it was at your your parents' house or at my mom's yeah. house or the cul-de-sac, like that's, I mean, I'm not, I see the kids around me now, they're, they're kind of doing that and they're playing with the dogs and stuff. So that's good. Yeah. But I, I hear at least that the kids don't do that as much. I mean, certainly I don't mean like this month because obviously, but <laughs> no, like no. in general, I don't think. Yeah, like I, 2019 I don't know. It's hard to tell over time because I mean, obviously you and I have bias based on how we grew up and I'm sure that they think of like generations past like way before us would be like oh my god they had so much technology and like you know were they even outside or (laughs) you know that it always changes so much through time but it seems like progressively nature is getting out of the picture more and it's like interactive you know ipad time or like or virtual reality and stuff like that and I mean, don't get me wrong, those things are cool and, like, a great thing to have a part of life, but I always want to, like, ensure that at least I and the people I'm close to have access to nature in a way that, I don't know, it's so powerful. It, like, it's very calming and, like, relaxing, but also a place where your mind can just sort of, like, be creative and fuel up new ideas. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, even though <clears throat> I'm... I love technology. I work at, we both work in technology. Like I'm sitting here on one computer with another computer under it and a monitor next to me. And so I love technology, but I will still get burnt out on technology after long days. I will, I never get burnt out on nature. Like I always go there to uh, reset, you know, from a long day at work, whether that's a good thing, like a good day or a bad day, I'll go either in celebration out and do something or, you know, do a hard hike to them just pissed off and I need to mm-hmm. hike it out or run it out or something like that. It's always going out there for that. And it's not, well, let me sit on my, I mean, I do, I do play video games. I do sit on my phone too much, like all of us, oh, but yeah. I don't go there for solace. What uh, I guess yes. would be the word. Yes. Yes. That's a good word. I don't use that word very often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a great spot just to grow up in. And I think that's Lino too. Like, if you think about all the neighborhoods in Lino Lakes, they all have some sort of, like, nature area on the exterior of them. Yes. Yeah, Even though I it's agree. like a 
it's like not it's like not rural it's totally suburb but Mm -hmm. around everything is some sort of nature preserve or lake or somewhere to just like disconnect from like grid lifestyle of the suburbs you know Mm -hmm. and that's something i think about or have thought about as like why i think i think a lot of people come out of lino are pretty well at least well-rounded well-adjusted you might say because Mm -hmm. of that just like there is that um influence of nature where you don't get that in most you don't get that as much in most modern suburbs yeah no i agree yeah um so you said and, and i know this and you that you guys were homeschooled growing up yeah I've always wondered, and I don't know why I haven't asked you this before. Um, <laughs> was there anything that, like, once you got to, because you went to a regular high school, right? That's that when you started? Yeah, we were, I went to high school in middle school. Yep. Middle school, yeah. So was there anything, once you got there to regular school, that you felt you didn't get from homeschooling? Like, whether that be, like... No. Certain subject, education level, or like the obvious is one that is always brought up is like the social aspect social. of it. So you find other ways to get the social in. Um, yeah. Like you join groups that meet up and do stuff together, or like sports is a good way to like get get it social. So I did ballet. Um, yeah, you were a major. We were you guys, 4-H. you and your sisters were all major dancers. Yeah. <laughs> well, like which, I. To some extent, we were like, we would, yeah, that was a pretty big part of our life for a long time, but I, I don't think it like it, defined us completely. No, no. Was there, but is there, is there anybody who does dance and doesn't, it, it is not uh, All, like, totally really enveloped, different. totally enveloped by the culture? Because it seems no, like every dancer is just like, when they're, da- when they are a dancer, that's like their identity. Well, from our perspective, it was like it was a four-season sport. <laughs> there was yeah. no off-season. We had three weeks off in August, so that was the off-season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Which it's just like guys... hard for it not to take over your life a little bit. Yeah. Which of you guys did the – didn't one of you guys do like some Russian – Yeah, we all – some... Yeah, we all did show? that. So like when the Moscow Ballet tours across – the world pretty much they yeah. they bring a lot of cast and crew but it's sort of silly to drag around like tons and tons of like children for all the like smaller roles in the yeah. nutcracker because a lot of it's like um like should be played by children uh for the different dances in the in the story and so they'll actually fly people out ahead of the ahead of the touring season and recruit like local uh dancers in the cities and then they'll they'll partner with like a company to like kind of host the classes and run through the dances and like learn the choreography but then it gets like a fun way for like the local community to be a part of the larger showcase um so yeah we were all in a little moscow ballet for one one year yeah for the nutcracker yeah i think you went didn't you I did, yeah. Our whole family went. And that's like, yeah, it's another way for them to get to get people to go. Because now you're not just yes. seeing the Nutcracker story again, which I knew already, but now I was seeing my cousins dancing in this like big, big ass real theater. Like, what? Yeah. Which theater was it yeah. in? What? It was in the State Theater in Minneapolis. 
Yeah. So that's like a big deal. So even though I didn't really care about ballet or the Nutcracker, yeah. it was like cool to see you guys out, in there. Seeing a show. Yeah. yeah. And seeing me there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I agree. Where are we going with that? Um, uh, you oh, the social brought thing. that out. Oh, so it was like the show social socializing of yeah. homeschooling. But I mean, I will say that growing up and not going into elementary school, I think I could was more comfortable talking to adults for far, far longer <laughs> than people. <laughs> like, well, like I just like when I went to like friends' houses for like sleepovers and stuff. Like I could more easily carry a conversation with the parents than the other kids at the party. hundred percent. That was always true. I was just like, Oh, like, I don't know how to talk to these people, but I can talk to their parents for like an hour. <laughs> well, why do you think that is? Cause you're interacting with, your I parents? think it's cause we like always interacted with people older than us. Like when you're young and like, you aren't seeing kids because they're all at school. All you interact with during the day is adults. So like our neighbors all around us were like pretty much second grandparents to us. So like we were used to interacting with people that were like grandparents or parents yeah. because, you know, all these kids in our neighborhood were at school all day long. Uh-huh. So we just like were out and about talking to adults. <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know, that just like carried over into a lot of things. So, <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting point. That's cool. So did your, who, who um, did most of the teaching? Was it your mom? So she only taught us through third grade. And then like I did fourth, fifth, and sixth on my own. Because you just get like a lesson manual. And so like at first, like you can't like read it or figure out what to do. But so she'd be like, okay, do this. And then she'd check your work. But after a while, I was like, you just you were old enough to like read through okay i gotta go do this thing and of course you skip stuff 100 <laughs> percent. you're like yeah. i'm gonna do every third math problem but that's because i was good at math and i was like i get the point why would i do 30 problems when i can do 10 and get the concept <laughs> so like yeah. even though i skipped half of my math homework i was great at math so it's not a problem <laughs> yeah and it clearly hasn't uh Impact your career, career potential. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went into engineering. Yeah. I don't think I would be able to do that because I would be the one that says, I don't get the concept, but I'm just going to skip it anyways because I don't have anybody <laughs> enforcing this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you, but the thing is, is like, mom could co- at any time come over and be like, okay, are you doing your stuff? And, you know, so. There was always that too. Kids have lied about their homework for hundreds of years, Carol. Yes. You could, I can always well, say true. I'm doing it. But, but you, could, you could check. Yeah. <laughs> so, were there like, I don't know. Were there like, um, like some form of like standardized tests to make sure like yes. what you know Every is year somewhere. Yes, we standardized test. Yeah, somewhere on par with like public yeah. schooling basically. We, we did fine. <laughs> yeah. So without yeah. educational background, can you talk more about what you do for work? Yeah, I work on the firmware for medical devices. So I work at Punch Through Design or Punch Through, now it's for rebranding. Um, And so that's this like small engineering consulting firm in Minneapolis in the North Loop. And we like help a lot of bigger companies that like make, whoa, sorry, the cat was going crazy. Um, (laughs) We help a lot of bigger companies like um, get their products connected or build products that are like connected products so a lot of times like 
you have a, an existing product that you want to get on Bluetooth because everything's moving that direction. You want to collect more data and you want to use, you don't want to, you're starting to go away from proprietary protocols and start using things where you can connect to mobile phones and things like that. So we quickly developed an expertise in Bluetooth low energy, which is what everyone uses on their phones. And mm -hmm. so now the medical device world's getting into that space as well. So they all come to us and I mean, they don't all come to us, but a lot, many of them come to us to start adding that into their, their products. And then we also like, now that we're more known, people are coming to us like as they want to develop products from, from uh, the ground up. So yeah, it's a lot of medical devices. That's typically what I've worked on. And then now, I mean, it's other things too, but that's, that's one of the major ones. Yeah. And then, and um, I don't know if you work with Medtronic, but I think, I think like the medical device industry is pretty good, pretty good in Twin Cities. Yeah, totally. All it's the a, good it's, hospitals and stuff that we have there. It's right? a, it's a major, major industry in the area for sure. Yeah. What do they call it? They've been, I think I've heard the Twin Cities called like the Silicon Prairie or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because of like all like the healthcare startups and I'm sure medical device startups. And yep. I think it's, a, it's some like software engineering and like stuff like that. Yep. Um, where it's all, I noticed the only trend is that you can just be inside for the, for all of the business that you do because yeah. of all the time we have, you have inside in the Twin Cities in the winter. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, I mean, that's why, I mean, I enjoyed going to school in Minnesota for like college because there was no reason from like November to like middle of April that you didn't want to be in a cozy library studying or in a lab because yeah. I mean like I love outdoor sports too but there's you need to be inside a lot as well so you people are getting work done <laughs> yeah you're on their website by the way yeah yep yeah you're front and center uh in this really wide picture about the team is this your whole company Yes. One, two, three, four, five, like six, seven, people. eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen in this picture. Yeah, we've got a few more, but yeah, that's that's us. We've been trusted so, yeah. with production or products of a number of great organizations. Think NASA, Intel, Google, Whistle, and Osprey Medical. Mm -hmm. What'd you do for NASA? Uh, that was many years back. They used to buy a microcontroller that we made. So Puncher used to make a Bluetooth module, which we don't do anymore. Are they connecting? So, are they connecting the space station to our phones via Bluetooth? <laughs> no, definitely. Like our piece is just like for a research project. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I know it's been a cool and like so. I write code that runs on small little microcontrollers that are inside like an implant or a medical device that is used during operations and things like that. So it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, awesome. You're also in the uh, careers page. <laughs> Why punch through? We care. This isn't your quote yet. We care about <laughs> each other. Products work on blah, blah, blah. And then your quote is learning is promoted and knowledge is shared on an ego free environment where the culture is built on real company values that get lived out every day or get lived out each day. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great quote. Thank you. That whole, um, 
the ego free environment. I think that that's the best part of what you said. Thank you. I, I was kind of like, I don't know. It sounds a little cheesy in retrospect. Um, but I think it's true. Cause sometimes it, like it's, it's nice to be at a team where you can just say anything and no one's judging you for what it comes out as. Like if you say something yeah. silly, people aren't going to be like, Oh, I can't believe you didn't get that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're very much going to be like, yeah, it's fine. We like, let's move on to the more important things. So it's it's yeah. just a really cool team. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you take out that section about the ego free environment, your statement is you can see it on any any company anywhere, and it's probably on all these yeah. a lot of websites. But having yeah. that in there shows that, like you just said, it's like a a safe environment. You can feel free to say stupid things, silly yeah. things if you don't get something, and and that's really important. And that. Ties me back into a book club idea. Yeah. Another book that I recently read. Okay. Here we go. Book number four. <laughs> Three. My third. You I, have... I brought what? Oh, I had two. So we're yeah. at five. <laughs> yes. Readers. This is one on my list. <laughs> yes. I can mail it to you. I'll mail you. I'll mail you both of these. Oh, wonderful. Whatever so other reader... ones I have. Yeah. yeah leaders so eat last. One... Okay. Readers eat last. Leaders eat leaders. last. Yeah by Simon Sinek. Um, and the reason I bring this up because his whole point about like what makes a good leader, whether that's like in business or he uses a military as an example, or just like, you know, on a sports team or just like in your, maybe your group of friends even is creating an environment where people don't feel like, um, their livelihood is at risk because humans uh, yeah. like biologically, you know, our fight, we have our fight or flight yeah. reaction to things Trying to and our bodies, yourself. yeah, our bodies will do that if we feel like our livelihoods at, are at risk and that happens at work. Mm-hmm. A and, lot, actually, even though it doesn't yeah. seem like it. Yeah. We're like, we're not going to get eaten by a saber toothed tiger in an office, but yeah. if we feel like, you we're know, we could good. be fired or look, yeah, yeah. look good. The chemicals that get released on us um, without our control lead to some really bad things. Like there's one chemical, there's like four main chemicals that get released when stuff happens. And it's like a balance of those makes our behavior basically. And the big ones are like uh, dopamine and that's like the happy one and whatever. And there's like the love one. But this one is your flight fight or flight chemical. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, uh, if you're facing real danger, it would give you the adrenaline to like, you know, fight or run away, uh, but to have that more energy to do those things, strong, like stronger or faster, mm-hmm. it take it shuts down other systems in your body to provide energy to whatever you're trying to fight or flight yeah. Yeah. from. And so it sh- will shut down your immune system and your um, what uh, what digests things. What system that digests things? Food. Digestive system. <laughs> There's yeah, another endocrine? That. I don't know. No, that's yeah, our different. digestive system. It like stops okay. our, uh, no, metabolism. That's it. Okay. It stops your metabolism because it's trying to give energy to like either fighting or fighting. Uh, so that's why, that's like the actual reason why when people are stressed out all the time, they gain weight mm. and they get sick. And this whole or time, I, <laughs> maybe. Well, that's like good stress though. So maybe that's like, if someone's having a healthy level of stress, level of stress. Yeah. You know, so that's like, true. it's all balanced. Yeah. So that's like, 
if you're going to work and you're experiencing that chemical all the time, like you're going to be sick and you're going to be fat and that nobody wants that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so definitely. that's just like a really like hardcore example of like, if you're a manager, you need to just like, you don't want that chemical to be released for your, for your people. Yeah. And it's just like, and it, so it goes in a little bit into like the chemical, biological, psychological thing of what's going on when people don't have good leadership. And then it mm. will like, and then each chapter will have like a bad business case of bad leadership in a situation. And then it ends with an example of good leadership in a similar example to show like, here's what, here's the way one person acted in the situation and this is wrong. And then, then here's mm. the science why. And then the end yeah. of the chapter is here's a similar example. And here's why he, he acted, he or she acted correctly. Yeah. Um, and then this, this company ended up better in the long run. Yep. Yep. No, that I'm, I've been recommended that book multiple times. So I think it's, I think it's uh, due. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll mail you both of these. Wonderful. Thank um, you. But yeah, and it's awesome. And I'm not, I'm not a manager. I don't even really think I'd want to be a manager for a while. Cause I just, yeah. don't give a, I just don't give a shit about people's issues <laughs> <laughs> and you have to, you're right. Well, so I, I think like, it's more than that. It's, it's giving a shit about what people want to do and like directing trying to help them get where they want to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can do that. And I know how to like get a team to work together to do something. Yeah. I was, I've been a leader on sports teams and things and whatever. Yeah. 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 But like the manager part where they're just like, I know my manager hears me talk about way too much that she doesn't really care about, but she's such a nice <laughs> woman and such a good manager that she's just like, yeah. like talks like, about it. And yeah, it's like, yeah, cool. Okay. And like, you know, sets me straight when I need to be said straight, but then just like lets me ramble when I need to vent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm just not, I haven't gotten to that point to, to be like good enough to do that. Yeah. I'm saying I'm not ready for it, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, and I but think in our, like where we're at in our careers, it's something that can wait for yeah. a little while. Got to focus definitely. on other things first. But even like in a relationship, like in a friendship or a, or a romantic relationship, like if you, if your friend or girlfriend, boyfriend is thinking that like, this could, this could be ending or there should be something bad going on or mm -hmm. something like that. Like they're probably experiencing the same stress hormones. And yeah. so I've, it's made me rethink relationships too. Interesting. Yeah. At a base most, level, it's, it's a one-to-one -one relationship, you know, manager yep. to employee, but yeah. that can be, those tactics can be taken to any relationship, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's a, a lot of these books that I'm reading. It just open your, opens your mind like across so many other areas hmm. not even the area they specifically talk about or maybe they allude to a few different scenarios but so like even reading like white fang which is from like a wolf dog it just makes me think about oh like so what do my cats think about like <laughs> you know Dude, like as yeah. they interact with me or the world around them like in this tiny little apartment <laughs> yeah just like how they i don't know there's there's so many ways you can apply the the knowledge you learn yeah that was that's a good um, I, the other day I was having a weird thought and I was like looking at Bridger and Mav and they were just like hanging out in the yard and then I called them in and they're just like, all right, we'll come in. And I was thinking, I just had a weird thought, like, this is freaking crazy. We just have these creatures that hang out around us yeah. and are basically friends more towards children yeah. <laughs> and they don't go anywhere, even though they could. 
and I know they listen to us and they like snuggle with us and they like us and like Bridger, I think it's just me being a psycho dog owner, but I swear he thanks me for things. Like I swear if we have oh. a really fun hike, he like comes up and like licks my face more. He's like, wow, yeah. that was great. Thanks. I was just yeah. like, this is nuts. If you just like, I try to say like, if you brought something from another planet or from like an ancient human in yeah, and said like, yeah, these are my pets. These are my animals, Bridger and Maverick. And they're like, oh, like, you know, like farm animals or they're like working dogs. Like they, yeah. they kill things for you and bring them to you or they're yeah. like a cow or a horse. It's like, no, they're just like, they're just friends. They just hang out. We bring them <laughs> on walks and like, we have to drive across the country now mostly because we don't want to fly. We can't leave them. Yeah. It's just like such an insane thing. That's just so awesome. Right? Yeah. I know. I sometimes cats. look at, I look at the cats. I'm like, wow, you just kind of hang out. You're sort of like overgrown squirrels or something. But, but they have <laughs> but that, I, they have they that like, instinct they look to like just like, little, they like kill. Totally. And that sometimes uh, is sort of frustrating to have in a home, but I don't know. I don't mind. They mostly wrestle each other, so that works out. <laughs> yeah, but just like you but said, yeah. your your cat at, at your parents' house, like, just went and just killed a mouse. Like, didn't even think oh, about yeah. it. That's the predator. We're just, we're making poop in a box. Yep. <laughs> yep. Right? No, nope, And completely. it's so weird how they just, like, decided, I, I, I've, ah, I got another book. I got another book. Oh, <laughs> number six. <laughs> <laughs> Once a Wolf. The there we go. The story of how wolves turned into dogs and into the dog breeds that we know today and it goes back yeah. into the ancient story of like how it first the first interaction and then goes into the genetics of why certain breeds are the way they are and when that happened but i'm just going to say like i wonder how we domesticated cats because we did we still didn't really domesticate them yeah they're kind of like this weird like they're domesticated but they're sort of like always wild i mean that's true with like any animal but i don't know with the cats it seems like they're they can they can turn <laughs> but i think dogs can turn too <laughs> but they're small enough where it's not a problem but like big cats holy crap and not want to see one of those angry <laughs> yeah like we've we've trained dogs to listen to all these commands and do everything but we haven't trained cats to do shit they can't even yeah. poop inside. Yeah. What do you mean poop inside? <laughs> no, they, they, they can't even, they, like we can potty train dogs to only go to the bathroom outside. But Oh, oh our cats are potty trained. They, they, well, go, they, they only go outside. Smart doesn't have a litter box inside. He just has to go out. Oh, really? So he just like, Oh, yeah. And that's, that's another crazy that I just thought of. We've moved now like three times since I've had Bridger, three or four times since I've had Bridger. And once he was potty trained the first time, now he knows at every single building we go to not to pee inside. Like, yeah. his, his dog brain is like, he has no concept of buildings or houses or what they are, you know? Like, how does he know every single building we don't pee in? <laughs> I think he does know. Yeah, like, I think he knows know. it's a big deal if he does. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, he knows, okay, we don't pee in the St. Paul house where I got it. Because that was where we did all the training. Yeah. But we walk into a Home Depot. He doesn't pee there. <laughs> and they're dirt dog. And then we walk into another house. Yeah. He there. Like, he just is like, oh, carpet, no, no pee. Or like, we go through a door and we don't pee here. Yeah. No, it is interesting, the things to pick up. 
from, I think once you read White Fang, you'll know that better. Yeah. Once you read this, you'll know how they got the history. It. <laughs> All from a creature that's looming around in the woods somewhere out here, waiting mm-hmm. to kill a deer. Yeah, it's incredible. So that we, uh, I've recently watched a fun cat, wild cat documentary, um, not Tiger King. <laughs> so <laughs> have you watched Tiger King? No, no, I won't. Um, I watched one on Scotland, Scotland, um, Scotland wildcats. So they're like pretty much a house cat, but it actually like getting into the genetics of it. Cause you mentioned it for the wolves. Like, so modern house cats, like the domesticated ones we have today are actually from the African, uh, the African line of wildcats. Uh-huh. Like, particularly in Egypt, but there's other branches of wildcats that have evolved. And so like there's European wildcat and a Scottish like wildcat that have evolved from different strains. And even though they look really similar, they have um, different gen- genetics and yeah, I'm they, it's up. like super crazy. Cause like now they're really worried about the, the Scottish wildcat because they're like, they can interbreed with like domestic cats. And so like the gene- genetics are kind of like getting less pure. And so they aren't, they're losing their, they're kind of like, they're going extinct by just kind of like being absorbed by the feral cats. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're doing all this stuff to, to save this like wild cat. That's like kind of like sort of like a bobcat size sort of, but. Yeah. I looked up on Google and these pictures just like look, look like any house cat, but yeah, they're wild, right? Yep. Yep. They it's live in cool. like the forests of Scotland. This is insane. Like does one look in like, like crouched in the snow looking like you would see like a picture of a lynx like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so, I did not know this was a thing. Yeah. So, so that was like super insightful on like the history of cats and like their domestication and like how many different branches and lines there are in that family. And then, um, wow. yeah. That's It'd insane. be sweet to see a lynx though. I'd love to see a lynx. I think I've seen one out here. Maybe like driving by. I don't know. You see, mm. there's lots of times you're like driving and you see just like across the field, something's hunting something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so put that example where you said that these wild cats are breeding with like they're domesticated cats, but they're like not owned or whatever. Yeah. Kind of the, that's kind of that offspring would kind of be like a wolf dog. Cause it's like, yeah <laughs> the wolf dog is int- reintroducing the wolf to a domesticated dog line mm-hmm. thousands of years apart in yeah um evolution that's kind of a similar thing totally that's wild i don't know what your advantages would be with owning one of those cats so. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that they just got more like wood smarts <laughs> Yeah, maybe they just like are better. If you had like a big barn and you needed a bunch of mice killed, like they might be a little yeah. Bit better. Yeah. But not really. I don't know how this cats do pretty good job. Yeah. But not, they might not even be better because that individual cat wouldn't have learned it because they would have been raised by humans. Yeah. Right? Like Bridget but, I mean, take down a deer because nobody taught him how to take down a deer. That's true. That's true. Or even like a, if I took a wolf pup right now out of Yellowstone, raised him on my own, and then let him out, he would die within days. Yeah. Because he doesn't know how to yep. be a wolf. Yep. You know be- I think Smart could, I like the cat I have at home could could go wild. He he likes the comforts of human life, but <laughs> he, he's got the smarts enough to like 
handle the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Does he sleep outside in the winter? So our all of our cats used to, and then we babied them. We used to make them sleep outside, which was a little extreme. But do you remember like the, the socks? We used to have a cat called Socks, and he had super long, mm-hmm. three-inch long fur. And, I mean, he was a fluff ball, and he slept outside most of his life. Did they did they like come near the house or did you know do you know where they, they sl- usually slept in the garage so it was partially warm. Uh-huh. But the one, like the main one or the one in the back? The main garage. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's still nuts though. It's like like negative 40. You wouldn't make Bridger sleep outside. <laughs> um no. I mean, I've I've left him outside for a long time, but even like camping I don't let him out. I don't let him sleep outside cuz Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the elements, obviously, he could be okay with. Yeah. It's more like, oh, actually, one time we slept outside. One time uh, we were in Duluth. It was like homecoming. So I bet after college, I went back up there. And yep. we had been drinking all day. And then me and one of my buddies wanted a hammock camp right near oh, Scholastica. Fine. It was like woods near Scholastica. Yeah. So we just, we just, it was like 3 a.m. And I get Bridger, and I'm like, all right, let's go, buddy. And we get our hands. So you're only going to be asleep two hours, anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't long sleeping. But then we just, like, went out there, and he just slept right under my hammock, and then he was just like, yeah. Fine. Well, that works. Yeah. I was going to say something else. Oh, so we can talk about cats. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the most important thing in the cat world right now. Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, I'm a horrible person to ask for this. <laughs> Have you, you said you have not seen it. Yeah. It is, you need to watch it. <laughs> I won't. It will expand your idea of how insane humans can be. Well, I already have a vast imagination for what that's capable of. It'll go I farther. don't want to go there. It'll go farther, dude. Every single episode <laughs> is crazier than the last. And every single yeah, episode I keep is hearing that. <laughs> so crazy. Like, it starts out like, Here's this guy, Joe Exotic. He has a, a private zoo with a bunch of tigers and lions and monkeys and stuff. Mm. And you can go and see it. And it's in Oklahoma. And he's kind of a wild redneck. And he shoots guns and stuff. And he had a YouTube channel. He wants to be famous and rich. Wow. And that's where it starts. <laughs> and every episode is like craziness. And then craziness. And then yeah. Then yeah. Compounding craziness on top of craziness. <laughs> to the end, the last episode, I was sitting there with Taylor. I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like every five minutes. My mind was getting blown every five minutes, the craziness. Yeah. This intricate, thought-provoking story. It's just like insanity over and over. Yeah. The, like the worst parts of humanity. Basically the worst parts of humanity. Yeah. I had to think about it for a second. Keep building it on each other to make it crazier and crazier. Yeah, so the crazy thing also is for a lot of those wild cats, like when those zoos get shut down for, you know, whatever crazy things happen, um, there's so many wild animals that like they can try to put in zoos, but they can't get back to the wild. And so I recently found out about like there's a wildcat sanctuary in Minnesota, like in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's not like one of these crazy zoos, but it's a place that's like they put these wild cats and they're like, well, we can't, we, we don't know where to put them or don't know what to do with them. And like they've been on show or like in bad environments and 
so it's like out somewhere like kind of on the way to Duluth but like it's private you can't go there because they're not they're like trying to do the opposite of make it a zoo like no visitors allowed but uh yeah they have these like cat sanctuaries for all these animals that like have had these shitty lives (laughs) yeah there's one in um it's like between forest lake and blaine okay like columbus or something yeah um there's one there too that i bet that i went to when i was looking at getting bridger because they have they sometimes get wolf dogs that they rescue and they have wolves and they have some lynx and a bear i guess or they had a bear when i was there yeah um but they it's like a it's run by like you know the forestry department or something like that Mm -hmm. Um, so it's like a rescue Mm -hmm. like in that sense you do you do you can pay to go in there and you like um you can like you can freaking feed wolves. I fed a wolf that day. I, yeah, I think I've been there too because I remember going to a place somewhere around there and feeding the wolves too. <laughs> yeah, that was, was sweet. Probably a probably. I mean, a good thing for me because it's worked out with Bridger. But like, uh, what they do is there's a big pack. There's like a pack in a you know awfully small cage of like mm-hmm. ten to fifteen gray wolves or timber wolves. And the and they're like a hundred fifty pound wolves, so they're pretty big. But so you stand up on this like de- this deck they built above the cage a little bit, and they give you hot dogs. And like you can throw them in there, and they'll eat them. And these wolves all come over because they know what's going on, and they all sit and begged like a dog. Oh. Like real wolves that like they got hit by a car and recouped, or they were born in captivity and didn't work out. Stuff They've like kinda that. Kind of tamed out. <laughs> They're kind of tin, but they look and feel exactly like a real wolf, full wolf. Yeah. They're not yeah. wolf dog. They're not anything. They're full wolf. And yep. they're sitting and begging like a dog. And I'm just like, oh, God, I have the power. I, I have the power to feed nature. You know, it's just yeah. like, that's like what, probably what Joe Exotic feels is like the power over nature a little bit, power mm-hmm. over the wild. Mm-hmm. And that was, that really, that really stuck out to me in that day. Yeah, so how'd that change your your mindset as you were considering getting wolf dung? Like, did that kind of open your eyes to, okay, I got to take this seriously? Or what did you learn from that experience? Well, I always knew I was going to take it extremely seriously. I researched wolf dogs for a full year before I got Bridger. Yep, yep. I knew to, I mean, I've had dogs as growing up, so I knew that I couldn't just like, try it out if i was gonna buy a wolf dog i needed to go all in commit everything give everything i had to him to make sure that he was going to be a well-behaved dog and well-trained dog yeah and if that that only just made me like kind of more deep in my love for wolves i've always loved wolves um uh my mom recently found this like little booklet of of something from a class remember that that summer academy thing i i did a couple of summers yeah year? one of the yep. classes was this class about wolves and she found it and it was like holy shit Tyler, you've <laughs> loved wolves since you were like five yeah and i've always had like wolf stuffed animals and there was like a wolf like over your fireplace growing up i mean i remember yeah. that photo yeah that's still at our cabin that exact yeah. one still at our cabin it's Yellowstone wolves too, which is like 
now I'm <laughs> wow. from that picture. Like if that picture was just like hypnotizing me my whole life, like wolves, Yellowstone, nature, you know. But it that experience deepened probably just deepened my love for wolves and didn't really change how serious I wanted to be because I knew I needed to go everything. I needed to give everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. I, I got him in like the first or second week of November. And besides work, that whole winter, I basically just trained Bridger every single day. And it was just different levels of training, whether it was like um, mostly recall, just like needing to get retail, recall down. And it totally has paid off because now I almost never use a leash. Yeah. And that's what I wanted. I admire that. It's, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's easier here than other places in the Twin Cities I would at least carry a leash. Yeah. Um, but then there's other days when I lived in St. Paul where I would like walk him around the downtown area of St. Paul to get used to just like loud noises and, and cars and people that we yep. don't, that we're not, um, you know, we're friendly with, but we don't, we don't need to stop and talk to him because that has a puppy. He wanted to like stop to everybody and say hi and whatever. Oh. And then it was like living by that railroad that we did. He was such a skittish puppy. Like I couldn't walk around the block without him getting scared of stuff. Oh. So yep. like having that noise all the time and the cars and, and introducing him safely to like that stuff. Eventually now he's just like, whatever, like he's fine with noises. He still has his little quirks that he's afraid of. Like he's afraid of the vacuum. That's normal. Yep. Um, and then cardboard boxes. He's always been afraid of cardboard boxes and laundry baskets. And I don't, I, I, I don't know what that, why that is, but, but yeah. I, I just threw everything. And then, and then on the weekends I would go out to like a state park or my cabin or my parents' house and do like some bigger thing where you could explore and kind of push the boundary of what the trust I had in him. Mm. So that, so that now, like when we do climbs here and hikes here, you know, he's standing on a, he's standing over a cornice that's 20 feet tall over that's on a cliff on a mountain. And I'm telling him like, Hey, be careful. Like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. And he knows, like, I can see him like tense up and like back away carefully. Like he knows what that yeah. means. Yeah. That's good. Or I can have him off leash and he can walk as long as I'm commanding him and I can see the, the other animal. He walks past deer or moose or elk. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. <laughs> well, I just think that, dogs are so ingrained in the american culture is like everybody gets a dog you know you get get your college degree you get your you get engaged or you get a house you get married you get kids like that's like one of the five things everyone does and i just think that it's really not for everybody yeah and it's and i always caution people when they ask me about getting a dog like you need to be prepared to like not like i don't know what like i'll ask them what they do for work and where they work and how they can work from home or just like come home and see the dog or whatever mm-hmm. because it it's really not cool to the dog if you get this puppy and then you or your partner are gone 10 hours a day because you're at work but but you yeah. want a puppy because you just got a house mm-hmm. is not a justifiable reason completely yeah and then and then you know that dog's a nutcase off leash because it's been in a fucking kennel all day like that's why they're crazy <laughs> Yeah. As a mellow Bridger and Mavars because they're never on leash and they climb mountains daily. You know, like, yeah. it's not a, it's not a it out. It's not a, we didn't, we didn't like get 
the broken huskies that are mellow like no we mellowed them yeah you know yeah. and it's because they're happy they don't they don't wander our yard is not that big and yeah always people going down by down the bike path but they don't ever investigate because they're not like their mind isn't like i need to go wander i need to go find stuff to smell and explore. yeah yeah speaking of the off-leash stuff um when i was in germany and walking around munich so many of those dogs are off leash. Most of the dogs in Munich that I saw were never on a leash. And I was like, this is crazy. So Jackson and I were watching like off of like his apartment at the time. And like, we would just watch dogs and the owners and the owners would be a half a block to a block ahead of the dog. And the dog would like come running up, like it would go smell stuff and then come back. And so they they had like their own recall scheme, but it was like, there was no leashes and the dogs just had to figure it out. And like, the, the person like turn a corner sometimes and I was like, how's the dog going to figure this out? And it's like, they probably have their own little routines, but I was so impressed that it was just like, you know, with all those people and the cars and these busy city streets, it's just like the dogs were talking like they, they stayed, you know, in the right areas and kept up and it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, how does that happen? Like they just, never go on a leash or it's part of the culture to just make it work i don't know i it i found it kind of fascinating because like here usually you see more of the off-leash and recall stuff in like more nature areas where you want to go off-leash more in the city it's like well they're hardly ever going to be off-leash so you don't worry about it as much but yeah it was it was kind of in, an interesting world <laughs> yeah most most cities have like really strict leash laws like yeah, I've almost had the cops call on me because I had my dogs off leash. Um, yep. But maybe maybe Munich just doesn't, and they're like, "Hey, be like, be responsible, dog owners, or something." Yeah, I'd really like to see more of like, you know, give more freedom but put more responsibility on the owner. Yes. Yeah. Though, we were out to dinner, and there was this one dog that came barreling through the restaurant, like in the door into the restaurant, and then into the kitchen, and everyone was like laughing, like. Oh, shoo, shoo, shoo. This dog, like, knew right where to go. I was like, he's getting a scrap for sure. Yeah, that's so funny. It was, like, a big dog. But it was great. I just Googled Munich. Uh, What's this, like, main building? Is it, like, like a cathedral or something? Like, the one with all these little tiny spires around the whole thing? I don't know. There's a lot of churches. (laughs) <laughs> i can try to look it up see if i know google there, it's the main thing oh oh so that's not a church that's um i don't know what building it is for sure i should but that's marion plots which is like their main town square uh-huh. i think it's like a government building or a city building of some sort yeah and i see the the thing with the two towers in the background that's for sure that looks more like a church oh yep yep yeah yep. That's wild. I really do need to get to the Alps of in some country. You do. So yeah. if you go, I have some recommendations. Yeah. Um, which? So first, of, first of all, which which country's Alps should I go to? Oh, they're all. I mean, it's all what, the Alps, but like which? Depends on what kind of experience you want. <laughs> Honestly, for you, you personally, I would recommend Switzerland. What about uh, Austria, Germany, France, Italy? How Germany? do you say the actual oh. city name? So 
I've heard, I've heard it literally like like the golf course we grew up by. Well, I just say it that way because that's the golf course. I've heard it the way I said it, Cham Chamonix, like kind of more French. And then I've heard it. I've heard it called Chamois. I've heard it like oh. different these different sayings that I have no clue how to say the actual. I don't know. I just call it Chamonix. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's wrong. That. Well, what about that? Because that's, that's so I have mountain. I don't know that area as well, like the Rhone Alps. Yeah, that's like I've, the the. the that's like the, what do they call it? Like the birthplace of mountaineering, basically. Is what they're oh, called. so that's your draw. Uh, yeah, because Mont, Mont Blanc is like, the way the mountains are there, it's like these crazy steep spires and towers that look like something you'd see in a building, but it's a mountain. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, they kind of have that in Italy, too, actually. Some of the Tyrol region, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's all crazy, but... Yeah. I when I did go to Europe, remember I went to London and then uh Copenhagen. Yes. Um I was trying to figure out how to get to one of these cities, but like the way like to get to anything in the in the mountains, you have to like yeah. fly a train way, train up there and then yep. like drive to another town. And I was like, I just Yeah, it's a haul. Like, it's worth it, but it's a haul. Yeah. Um but, I mean, overall, it's very accessible because you can fly to a nearby airport very easily and then take a few-hour train ride and, and be, be in the mountains. So, yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, sorry. And there's, so there's a, a little mountain town in Switzerland that's kind of near and dear to my heart uh, that's called Gimmelwald. And Gimmelwald, how do you spell it? It's uh, G-I-M-M-E-L. W A L D. Whoa, this is nuts. Yeah. So it's a tiny little mountain town that you can only get to by cable car. There's no roads that go up there. So you have to like walk all around the little town. And then there are roads, but it's like for the local farmers only, really. Everyone else takes the cable car up. And it's not far from Interlaken. So you like take a train up the mountain. Like last time I, had, I, I visited this summer or no, two summers ago. I don't know. was this last summer? Um, and like, it had been a long day, like a sweaty train ride in the summer. And then we just like start training up the mountain, like a long, there's like a mountain river, like flowing down. And then like, there's waterfalls falling off the cliffs. And then the smell of like the fresh minerals and wildflowers, like, coming in the, the train windows and you're just like oh my goodness I'm so happy to be here <laughs> and then you like get to the bottom and then you uh bottom of like where the cable car is and then you take the cable car up up the mountain and then you get off and there's this tiny little cute quaint mountain village this is so, that's my recommendation for you yeah and you can lit like stay on that in that area and then do all your hikes from there yeah, I'm looking at a picture. I don't know if this is Gimmelwald or not, but it's like, it's in like a really skinny valley. Yes, that's like it. A couple pockets of like buildings and then yep. the mountains are just like straight up from like people's backyards. Oh yeah, that's it. Insanely small, like a insanely small valley to, to have a town in. This is wild. This is so cool. Yeah, and you got the little like, 
every every house is like that wooden chalet look with the the cross yeah yeah it's very classic look like you could yodel did you yodel when you <laughs> no <laughs> this is so cool yeah that's what you said what you said uh in the beginning about how since they've been in these mountains for so much longer like there's mm -hmm. no town in america like this yeah like, separated from the rest of society be it by mountains like i mean yeah Jackson is like a good example of it but we have an airport we have roads in here you know like yeah there aren't any there isn't a town that you take a cable car to That's yeah cool. and, and it, maybe maybe that eventually we will get there after like you know two or three hundred more years of exploration <laughs> yeah so, because that's kind of where they're at yep man i'm getting nothing done there <laughs> uh, that's cool yeah, well put it on the bucket list yeah definitely let's see i'm looking at our text to see if there's anything else is there anything else you want to cover I think we can call on a night. All right. We've been on for like an hour and 45 minutes. That's a long nice. <laughs> All right, everyone. We're going to call it a wrap here on another episode of Stories from a Mountain Town. Um, Carol, any other words for the audience you'd like to get out there? Nope. Um, Live well. <laughs> yeah. Tell the, tell the audience um, where to find your Instagram because you do post some cool things and you travel yeah. a lot. You travel a lot for like work and you go to Europe. You've been to Europe like five times, right? I don't know. Some, a I, yeah, a few times. Yeah. So yeah, tell me your Instagram name. You don't post a ton. Uh, Carol Kaltoff. K-A-R-E-L-K-A-L-T-H-O-F-F. -F. And the most German sounding last name, which is my, my mom's maiden name. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kaltoff. Yeah. And you got a name with more phlegm. It sounds more German. But yeah. <laughs> That's an episode, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. Read some of these books that we talked about because they're all really good and they um, will get you through. They'll keep you sane in this time where you can't go anywhere. All right, everyone. Uh...